good morning. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you in the room. It's good to be with you and worship with you this morning, as well as our online family. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to be together this morning. It's good to worship. It's good to be a part of a family of faith that understands their purpose in this world, that lives to be able to accomplish that, to be able to walk with Christ, to be able to grow together as a family and continue to overcome any of the challenges that the world and our enemy, the devil, continues to throw at us. I'm very grateful for you this morning. I want to say a couple of things this morning before before we dive into the book of Ephesians together. First of all, uh, one of my dear friends and one of our wonderful leaders and deacons here who is truly a servant of Christ uh, is going through a battle just diagnosed um, with the virus. And so I want you to know we are praying for you. And here's the thing. There's a lot of news out there in the world, a lot of people with a lot of opinions. But I'm going to tell you this. Your faith in Jesus will carry you through this a lot further and you will overcome than any of the news out there, than any of the diagnoses or anything like that. And I know my brother, you know what I'm talking about. So by faith, you're going to beat this. We are praying for you, for your family, and you are going to overcome. And I want you to know that this morning. We as a church, I as your pastor, we love you, we love your family, and so you will be victorious in this by faith in Jesus Christ, and you will overcome. Listen, I've uh, just got back from uh, traveling this country, and here's the reality. Uh, I was on a trip with my oldest son, who is going to be a senior this upcoming year, and so we were dealing with... um, really looking ahead to what that means. And as I've been through different sections of the country in the last uh, several days, there are a lot of places that um, they've kind of operated with what virus, you know? Um, They've kind of been open. Um, Matter of fact, I was in one place, I asked, do I need a mask? And they're like, what mask, you know? So um, people have responded in different ways. But as I went around the country, looked at different things, saw different people doing life in their way, I missed you, I love you, and I'm grateful to be your pastor. See, there's something about having a great purpose. And here in New Orleans, there is a great purpose that we have been called by God to accomplish. Listen, we don't always see it. We don't always understand it. Uh, Many times we're just doing life as we want to, or perhaps as we just think is the day-to-day activity. That's for many of us. But yet God has a sovereign plan, and this church is a great part of his light, of his hope in this city, in our communities, and in our world. And you are a part of that. This is a great time to be the people of God in this generation. It's not a time to shrink back. It's not a time to get discouraged or defeated. It's a time to shine. And God has a purpose and a plan for you, and it's good to be a part of that. So I'm, I'm grateful to be back home with you today, and I'm grateful for all that we continue to accomplish together. Even as I look around the campus today, I mean, you could have taken a mud bath right out here behind the sanctuary, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going on. It's like, oh my goodness, why, why are they tearing everything up? Um, because it's progress. You know what I love is I've seen a lot of destruction in the last several weeks. And I realize for those of you on campus, those of you who are watching from home right now in your pajamas having your coffee, look, when you come back, you're going to be like, what happened to this place? But for those of us who are navigating the on-campus experience right now, it's like, okay, there's no sidewalk. 
and you have to approach the campus in a different way. And each week, it's kind of like a new experience. It's like, okay, which way is going to be open this week and which way is not? And I hope it doesn't rain because if it rains, you're going to get soaked. But we're fixing all of that. And the destruction actually, to me, brings great hope. Because I know that together we are doing the right thing as a family of faith, as a church. You're giving your commitment and your faithfulness to being a part of that. Listen, we are committed that when all of this stuff is over, we're going to be healthier, stronger, and we're going to continue to grow by faith. I'm excited about that, and I'm very thankful to be a part of that during this season of life and our journey together right now as the people of Christ here at Calvary. I want to say one more thing just um, before we dive into Ephesians. Um, the thing that makes Calvary great is the people. It's not just the facility. It's the people here. It's the commitment of the people that not only does this church invest into, but they invest of themselves in, in the church. And one of our dear families uh, has reached one of those milestone moments in life. And, and truly, as pastor, I'm very grateful for them. They are a reflection of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I'm talking about the Ramoser family. And I just want to say, um, just for a minute, Lieutenant Colonel Matt Ramoser, his wonderful family, they are here today, um, has given 20 plus years in service to our country through the military. And yet while he did that, you, you talk about a servant leader in the church. His time here, he was a small group leader in our children's ministry. So you have one of our lieutenant colonels serving in our children's ministry. And I just want to give a shout out, Matt, to you, um, Florina. Um, what a wonderful wife and support you are to him. Plus, actively involved in our missions efforts here. And then their wonderful children, Shiloh, Shechem, and Kidron. So thankful for you because not only as a church did you allow us to invest in you, but they poured back into and invested in this church. And listen. And what's fascinating about that is that most people, if you were not born here on the West Bank or you were not born here in New Orleans and you come here from somewhere else, you usually go, oh God, what are you doing, right? And it's fascinating because every single time families that come here and they connect to the family of faith gathered here at Calvary, they start here with a... I would never want to be in New Orleans. And then when they are called to another place, their heart is torn because they've deeply connected to a great family of faith called Calvary. And so I just want you to know, very thankful for you. I know that you are getting ready to transition to another season of life. But thank you for your investment. Thank you for allowing us to love on you, for you to love this church, for you to give so much to this church. We're very grateful for you. And I know that God has great things for your entire family as you launch into the next season of life. So God bless you all. That's what it means to be a part of this family of faith. And that's our purpose. We're a church that's not just meant to entertain you. The world is full of entertainment. And you see what happens when troubles and trials come. Entertainment has very little value. But substance, 
substance of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be connected to a body, what it means to have a higher calling on your life as a Christian is very important. And when we look at Ephesians, the first few verses of chapter 5 today, you're going to see what that higher calling looks like. And I pray that by the end of today's sermon, as we walk through these first verses of Ephesians chapter 5, you're going to not only be inspired, but you are going to want to become an imitator of Christ, an imitator of the child of God that you have been called to be. Ephesians chapter 5, and I've, I've called today's message imitators of God. Imitators of God. Now, what a high standard. That is a high standard because most of the time, if we're being honest, we do not feel like imitators of God. Uh, most of the time, uh, we are imitators of the flesh or imitators of our world. But to be an imitator of God, to be an imitator of Christ, to be someone who lives according to the standard of what it means to be a child of God, what a high calling. And the Apostle Paul has placed immense value on salvation. He's placed immense value on you being sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. He's placed immense value on your role in the world. So as we've walked through each verse of the book of Ephesians, we've seen these things. Today, he uses this phrase, be an imitator of God. And that sets the standard for you and I as followers of Jesus, not only high, but also very attainable. And I love how he breaks it down in these 17 verses that we're going to look at today. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version, and the Bible says this, Paul's letter to Ephesus and those churches in the region around, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God. How? How can I be an imitator of the character of God, of the things that we've learned about the goodness of God, the grace, the mercy, the love of God? How can you and I ever hope to attain to that? Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's who you are. And many times what we forget is the way that we attain to the calling that Jesus has given to us, God calling us his children, the reason we fail to attain it is we forget who we are. But let me remind you, as the Apostle Paul reminded the church then, you are a beloved child of God. If you have by faith received Christ, if you have by faith entered into that walk with Jesus that is transforming who you are from who you used to be to who God calls you today, his child, that's who you are and who you are affects what you do every time. When you find people in life, so many of the challenges that we face when we try to meet them or introduce ourselves, what do people tell you about themselves usually? They tell you what they do. Many times, people are defined by their degrees, by their finances, by their outward appearance. They tell you what they do. But you don't hardly ever really get beneath the surface with people. And the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want to get beneath the surface in your walk with Christ, you have to remember you are a beloved child of God. And who you are when you focus on that will then affect 
what you do. And what does he ask us to do? He asks us to walk in love. Be imitators of God as beloved children, and therefore, what do you do? You walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And he gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But therefore, then he lists four very specific things. And I love this because he because he categorizes really the stumbling blocks that all of us as people are going to face in one category or another. He breaks them down into four areas. He says, immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must also be no filthiness or silly talk. So there's four things that he identifies that create stumbling blocks for who we are. They wage against war against who we are. And what are they? Immorality, impurity, greed, and talk that is not befitting of who our character is as Christians. He goes on and he says, There must not be these things, which includes coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather instead you want to be giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man or woman who is an idolater, none of those people have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Wow. People who pursue that as their character, people who are enamored, who are controlled, who are captive to those four things, there's no place in heaven for that. Because heaven is not like that. That household does not have children who are like that, is what Paul is saying. Wow, what a struggle. Because the reality is that is the world. That is the battle. And every one of us today will face that battle in some way. How do I know? Well, deep beneath the surface of people, part of this is knowing myself, and part of this is doing ministry as long as I've done it, to recognize there's always something beneath the surface that we don't want people to know, but God knows. And the Apostle Paul is digging deep for the Christians at Ephesus, saying, listen, these things are not fitting of who you are. And they can be expressed in any number of ways, but these things do not belong to who you are. So he says, there's no inheritance for someone like that in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, trying to rationalize it, trying to talk it out, trying to get an angle on God or on his word. Don't let anyone do that to you. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes against the sons, the daughters, the people who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Why? Well, that that sounds really divisive, and gosh, in our world, and when you read the media, gosh, everything's so divisive. Well, here you go in the Bible. I even recently read um, this post by a Christian writer and a Christian influencer on social media, and they said, anything in the Bible that's divisive, I reject that. And I'm going, gosh, that's a pretty bold statement to elevate yourself to God to the people who communicated the truths of God. You know, there's something about truth that is divisive. How do we know that? Well, Paul gives us an an analogy. He says, 
for you, and he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the children of God. Let's be very clear. He's talking to those who have been saved, redeemed by Jesus and call themselves followers of Jesus. That's who he's talking to. Who's he not talking to? Everyone else. He's talking to the household of faith, those who want the benefit of salvation, the glory of God's grace, those who want the forgiveness of their sins. He's talking to you who would call those things, but he's not talking to the world. Why? The world doesn't know any different. The world chooses to embrace their ways, many of which are not only divisive amongst people, they are divisive on the inside of people who continue to pursue those things. They ultimately are like a cancer that eats away at the soul and at the person. It makes us less than who we were created and who we ultimately desire to be. Paul is saying, look, this isn't to them, this is to you. As a Christian, this is to you. And as I speak to you, you were formerly, you used to be, once upon a time, you were in darkness. You were that, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. It's the second time he said it. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So now you have this contrast to the four things that wage war against us as believers and as people. You have this contrast now on how to overcome that with things that are good, things that are pure, things that make us reflect who we are. So do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, for the third time he says it in these few verses, therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, women, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, in these 17 verses, the Apostle Paul, he really breaks it down and he helps us see that who we are should affect what we do. And it's not in reverse. So many times as Christians, we believe, or even in the world, in our simple dialogue and getting to know people, we believe what we do is who we are. But if what we do is who we are, well then, gosh, that can in some way be a really bad reflection of who at times we think we are. For example, if you have an unconfessed sin, an unknown sin, an area of darkness, and I realize everybody struggles in some way. That's what Paul is revealing. And if you're lost in that, and that defines who you are, then there's no hope for you. But if who you are is someone else, then that helps you learn what the will of God is and set you free 
from some patterns of the world so that who you are begins to overcome what you've done, what you do, or what you might do at some point in the future. Who you are begins to affect your choices and your walk. If you're only defined by what you do, well, then also that's a problem because that would mean then only those people who have the outside together would be the only ones who are acceptable not only in the world but acceptable to God. And that means, gosh, only the professionals, only the degree, only those who know everything or have more money or more power, surely only those would be the ones who in their pride of the exterior would be the ones to make it into heaven. The truth of Scripture is, quite frankly, most of those never make it in. The truth of Scripture, actually, when you look at Ephesians chapter 5, is the converse. It actually shows that it's those who know who they are and let who they are affect what they do. It's those people who God calls His children. It's those people who are different from the patterns of darkness that are present within the world that wage war against all of us. And Paul breaks this out to us in chapter 5. I give you this life lesson today in three simple walks. Paul mentions the word walk three times in three very specific ways for three principles today that I think affect how we reflect who we are. It's a good reflection for us to be the beloved of God. Here's the life lesson if you're taking notes. God lovingly, lovingly, the whole first four chapters of Ephesians show us it is God's will to lovingly and graciously give us the gift of salvation through his son Jesus. It is not of works. It is not of the exterior. It is nothing that anyone can boast about. It is God's grace and his mercy and his kindness toward us. That when we respond in humility to that receiving that grace, that mercy, that kindness, that's where salvation comes from. And in that, he lovingly reveals his standard of living to us. And then he calls his children to walk in it. God lovingly reveals his standard to us. You realize God has a standard. If he didn't have a standard, he wouldn't be God. He would just be a figment of our imagination, which is what most people want God to be. They want God to be in their image. That's why you have a lot of people that twist scripture and use life experience to say this is what God wants. And yet you have Paul in scripture saying, no, God's not like that. God actually has a standard. And it's light versus darkness. It's purity over impurity. It's morality over immorality. It's truth and light over darkness. God has a standard. But God's standard is lovingly revealed to those who would receive it. To those who would accept it and who would say, it's God's standard that rescues me, that sets me free. And therefore, he's calling me to walk in who I am. He's calling me to reflect who I am. When we look at the world we live in today, there's a lot of divisiveness. One of the things the last 18 months have, has done for a lot of people, it's created a lot of bitterness, a lot of angst, a lot of division over things that, yes, are important, 
but they're not of ultimate importance. And if you don't have a view on who you are as a child of God and then you get lost in the cultural dialogues that are going on, then there's going to be a lot of, a lot of hate, a lot of bias, a lot of bigotry, a lot of anger, and we see that. I mean, you can't even go to sporting events today, it seems like, without people just showing their tails and, and getting out of line. I mean, I don't know if you read the article this weekend, but I mean, there's a baseball game and the hatred toward one team, you know, one of the fans takes a baseball and tries to hit one of the players on the field. It's like, come on. But where's that coming from? A lot of this worldliness, a lot of this division, a lot of this pent-up frustration that a lot of people are dealing with. And how do you get past that as a believer? It's not who you are. That's not who we're called to be. We're called to walk in a different way. Why? Because God has a standard. And he reveals that in a very gracious way to us. And he pulls us out of darkness. And he places his light inside of us. And then he calls us to walk in it. So what does our walk look like? What does our walk look like? The word walk in the Bible really isn't just about taking a walk. It's about your journey. It's about your life. And the beautiful thing about walk in Scripture, your walk with God, is it's not like just running a, a 5K or a 10K. Your walk is a lifelong experience. Your walk began when you were born. It began when specifically you came to know Christ as your Savior. And from that point, it's like this journey that is ongoing and developing. You weren't mature the moment that you received Christ. You weren't the perfect Christian in regard to your walk and your lifestyle and your choices the moment that you received Christ. For many of us, what you recognize is there's a moment where I knew God rescued me from my sins, forgave me, and gave to me the gift of salvation. And many of us know that's where we put a pin in our journey and we go, that's where it began. But it didn't end there. If it did, he would have just called us home to heaven and said, great, you're saved. Now I got your place in heaven. Here you go. And I'm going to cut out all this foolishness and all this hardness and all this difficulty of your life. And you're just going to go down easy street now. But that's not what God do. What did he do? He called us to walk out the rest of the experience in our relationship with him. Why? Because that's what a good father does with his kids. He walks with his kids through life. For those of you as parents in the room or online today, you recognize that just because your child reached a certain point, you didn't abandon them. I mean, even as I look to have one exit the nest and launch him out into life for his own thing, I'm not abandoning him. There's a part where I will always be his father, and I'll always love him deeply, and I'll always try to speak wisdom into his life as he walks through his journey. God does that for you and I as his sons and daughters. And as he reveals his standard to us, there are three things that affect our walk. Here's the first one. As we walk through life, Paul tells us as imitators of God, as beloved children of God, as those who are called by the name of Christ, first and foremost, learn to walk in love. That's the first thing out of his mouth in chapter 5. Listen, you are beloved children. That's who you are. And if that's who you are, 
then what do you do? You walk in love. And in that phrase, ladies and gentlemen, he gives you and I as Christians the key and the motive to overcoming everything that wages war against us. Remember, he talked about the reality that immorality is present. He talked about the reality that we live in a world of impurity. We, we read about greed. And he talks about what comes out of our mouth. Four areas of life that if we're all honest, in some way or another, it has shown up at some point in time in your wall. It's part of walking through this world. But how do you beat immorality? Most of the times in the Bible, immorality is a word that's not just about being immoral. It's very clearly connected to sexual immorality. So now all you got to do is look at your life and go, is there any place where there is, has been, a temptation, a lean toward sexual Immorality. It's used over and over again very specifically in context in the Scripture. And when you look at our world, we're bombarded with it. Gentlemen, you're bombarded with it. But ladies, you're not immune either. It's how you dress. It's the image that you give. It's what comes at you in private through your own thoughts and tendencies. And we see that on display in multiple ways throughout our world. How do you battle that? Well, listen. I get it, there are workshops, um, there are seminars, there are resources, there are books. But if you really want to overcome that, the most loving thing to do is to respect your brother and your sister in Christ. The most loving thing to do is to walk away from moments that wage war against your soul. You see, what Paul points out right here about walking in love is he goes right to the heart of most of the choices that we make. What's the motive? More than anything else, not the desire. What's the motive? Is the motive self-serving? Is the motive arrogant? Is the motive for self-pleasure? Is the motive one of those things that is selfish? Or is the motive that I would do anything to elevate and honor someone else? Now, when you look at most of the immorality that faces most people in the world, at its base level, it's selfish. But to elevate and to honor because you want the best for someone else? Now, that's love. That's something that is higher, that is something that is better. What about impurity? Well, impurity, and therefore greed, is again selfish. What do I want? He even uses the word covetous, which means I'm going to gather as much of the toys for myself. Well, the reality is, and you've heard it said, um, he who has the most toys at the end still dies, right? You don't take it with you. But a lifestyle that is all about greed, Gathering, a covetous lifestyle, arrogant, bringing all of the stuff to me and therefore not serving, giving someone else. Well, there's not any place for that in the household of God. Why? It's not who you are. How do we know that? He gives the example of Christ. Christ who gave himself up. Christ who offered himself up 
to God. Why did Christ do that? So that you and I could become a part of the family of God. If Christ was selfish, he doesn't die on a cross. If Christ was selfish, quite frankly, most of us get wiped out from that eternal lightning in the sky, right? And many of us would think, well, that's what God should do to that person or that person or that group or that group. But that's not who the family of God is. The family of God is not reflected in immorality, though it wages war against us. Impurity, though it comes at us and our motives at times are not pure. Greed, which is selfish at its core. Well, it's all about me and not about someone else. The family of God is not like that. And then here's the hard one. How we talk. How we talk. You know, the Bible actually talks about this, that out of the same mouth so many times come blessings and cursings. Out of the same mouth at times come these things where I love you and I hate you. <laughs> and that's the challenge of what comes from within us. Remember this, who you are affects what you do all the time. And the more that you nurture who you are as a child of God, the more you will see it affect what you do. So when it's time for a reasoned response, maybe an angry response, maybe, maybe something that um, has built up inside of you for a long time. What do you do? Silence. If you can't say anything positive or good, the Holy Spirit will say, listen, let me handle that. I'm not going to say a word. How when you're in the midst of a dialogue and you want to fit in, and I realize this happens for a lot of you as young people, teenagers, college students, even, even those of you who are trying to get your young professional careers launched. You're in a group, they're doing certain things, they're saying certain things, and you want to fit in. And therefore, to fit in, you feel like you have to lower your standard, maybe in immorality, impurity, maybe greed, or perhaps in how you talk. But here's the fascinating thing. As we listen to the voice of God and we recognize, nope, that's not who we are, and we choose to walk in love, love for ourselves, love for the Lord, and love for those around us. As we choose to walk in love, here's what I've discovered. Most people will respect your motive and your purity when you choose to walk according to your convictions as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen. If you're not acting like them, talking like them, doing what they do, it's okay. Because who you are is not that. You are somebody else. And to overcome it and to battle that, you ask yourself the question, what is the most loving thing to do? Is it destructive or is it constructive? Does it tear down or does it build up? And when I come from a place as a person to go, you know what, I'm going to walk in love. It helps you ride above all of the cultural division battles, even things that this world will throw at you as a child of God because you're walking in who you are, a beloved who is willing to show God's love to those around you, to yourself and ultimately to him. Here's the second walk. He talks about walk in his light. Not only walking in the love of God, but walking in the light of God. He says very clearly, the Apostle Paul, and I'm grateful for this. I think you would be grateful for this. He says, you used to be in darkness. <laughs> now, I get it. In our world today, everybody gets offended by something. Don't you call me used to walk in darkness. <laughs> Come on, Paul, you're hurting my feelings. Good. <laughs> because it's who you used to be. 
And if who you used to be is who you still are, you got a problem. You got a problem with your walk. If you have been redeemed as a child of God, given tremendous grace, but you show none, shown tremendous unification in the body of Christ, but you create division, being redeemed by a very loving God with pure motives, but your motives are impure and your lifestyle is the same. There's a problem in your walk. There's a problem in your love because your love may be more toward the world than toward the Lord. And there's a problem in your walk because you're walking in something that you used to be, but God says that's no longer who you are. You were formerly that means in the past, before you came to know Christ, you were identified with the rest in darkness. And by the way, he's very clear. Those who are identified as in who they used to be, the lifestyle of darkness, that's not heaven. Heaven is not a place. Your home as a member of the household of God, your home is not a place of darkness. Where you are going is not a place that has destructive tendencies, division. There is no immorality, impurity, greed, and filthy, silly jesting and talk. It's not present there. And if that describes who you are, then you're walking in a pathway that is not the pathway that God has set before you. That's who you used to be before you knew Christ. That awareness is very good. It's very helpful for you and I as believers. Very helpful for people. Because when you're able to discern light from darkness, and you know that God has said, walk in his light. His light has been placed inside of you. You are the light of Christ to your world. To walk in that light, to walk in the light of God, it helps you then make choices and discern Okay, this is what God has for me. And the light is better than the darkness, though the two exist together. Have you ever noticed, we walked through Genesis a while back, and as we went through the beginning, did you notice that God created light and darkness? The two exist together. And so true, we live in a world of light and darkness when it comes to our walk. But the Bible is very clear. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Let us walk in the light while the light is with us, Jesus would even say. Walking in the light is to choose God's standard over the standards of darkness. And he says, how do we do this? We try to learn what is pleasing to the, to the Lord. I love this. That is a reflection of a true journey of faith. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You don't wake up one day and have it all together. Matter of fact, many times when you wake up and think you have it all together, it starts all falling apart, right? The reality is we are trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. How do you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord? You walk in his light. And that's a reflection of Paul saying, hey, listen, part of the light is knowing what God says. You can't know what God says if you don't read it. You can't know what God says if you don't talk to him. You can't know what God says if you're not willing to practice it. And therefore, learning to walk in the light is what begins to distinguish you and, quite frankly, set you free from the darkness. Even as Christians, I find so many times that we as people still have the chains of darkness that come at us. The cords of darkness are strong. 
They come at us from their past. They come at us in the present. They come at us in very sneaky ways because the devil's been playing this game long before us. We are not the smartest people on the planet. We're not. He knows what to do. But to break those cords of darkness, to begin to move toward the light, it is a journey where we learn, God, what is pleasing to you? And as I learn that in my walk, in my lifestyle, I then become to reflect, I begin to reflect more of who I am as his child. He says, don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness. Walk away from them is what he's saying. He even says, some things are just disgraceful to even talk about. So don't talk about them. Walk away from them. Walk toward the light and away from darkness. And then I love this hymn because it is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I've said that before. But I love this. Not only because it's a great thing to say in the morning if you're not a morning person, you have a hard time getting up. But I love it because it's actually perhaps a reflection of an early song in the early church that says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, like I said, it sounds really good in the morning. Man, okay, God, I need to wake up, and, and I need to get out of bed, which, you know, and I need you to shine on me today. It's great. But actually, what I love about this in its context of Scripture, it's a challenge to Christians to walk out of the sinful ways of darkness into the light of Christ and to experience the glory of walking in the light. I love, you get a little snippet out of probably a great song of the early church that says, hey Christians, walk away from the darkness, walk out of sin, and how do you do that? You get out of that death and you let the light of Christ shine on you. And as the light of Christ shines on you and you walk in his light, you're going to experience this glorious victory because you're walking in the light of Christ that will set you free from the chains of darkness and death. Gosh, that's so good. And he gives that little snippet right there in verse 14. Here's the final thing, and we close with this. The Apostle Paul teaches us that we can walk in who we are by walking in his love, by walking in his light. And the last one is by walking in his wisdom. Walking in his wisdom. There's a lot of information in the world that we have to process as people. But it's not always wise. It can be peddled as wisdom. It's knowledge or information. But it's not always the right thing. And it's hard to process that. Do you notice in this passage where Paul equates the choices of wisdom, he connects them very clearly to something. Do you know how Paul connects wisdom, the choices that we make? He connects them to time. Wisdom is all about time. In my journey through life, am I smart enough to choose the ways of God over the ways of the world? Wisdom is all about being able, not what you know, but what you do about it as you're walking through life. And as he reveals this, he says, as children of God, walk for the third time, walk in his wisdom. Not as unwise people, but as wise what he's reflecting there is that the days are evil, time is evil. We have a walk and a journey in time. 
And how we live in time is a reflection of whether or not we're going to choose his love, we're going to choose his light, and we're going to walk in what he says. It's hard. I recognize that as Christians because there are so many things that come against you. They come against you in business. They come against you in your financial choices, whether you'll be sacrificing to the work of God or you'll be selfish to yourself. They come uh, in financial choices of, wow, am I going to do the right thing or am I going to do the wrong thing that increases my portion of the pie? They, they come against us in our relationships. Am I going to be selfish in relationships or am I going to be selfless? They, they come against us in even our opportunities with what we do in our recreation. Am I going to let recreation consume my resources, my time, my focus? Or is it just going to be a part of life that I use to refresh myself so that I'm the best me to serve the Lord in the rest of the areas of life? It's funny because so many of our choices, we use them toward ourselves. But Paul says, no, 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 no. You are a beloved child of God. And God's wisdom is all about how you use your time. The days are evil. They go by too quickly. I mean, I literally just finished a trip going, man, I can remember when my oldest was born and now I'm looking at launching him out of the nest. The days are evil. Not only does that mean he's getting older, it means I'm getting older, right? <laughs> and that's such a challenge. Our time is limited, but how we use it as the beloved children of God is a reflection of wisdom. Am I using my days for his glory? Am I doing my best to walk away out of darkness into light? Am I trying to become a person that is more loving toward myself, toward God, and toward others? And those are all aspects of his walk. When I walk in those three things, I'm then bent as a person toward discovering and living within the standard of God that he lovingly reveals to me and that he's called me to be as his child. Here's the thing. If we all could know the future, if we all could know how things were going to turn out in our lives, that relationship, that season of life, that circumstance, if we knew what was going to happen with it, would we do it? Well, the only thing that we can do to battle that is not know the future, because many of us, we really don't know the future, but we can act in wisdom. And when God speaks through his love, when he reveals through his light, and he shows us the way in wisdom because the days are evil and our journey is long, in wisdom we choose his way, then you begin to know your future is going to work out a lot better. Then you begin to know that things are going to end up in the right way because God is a God who loves you. He has a standard, and he reveals that. And as his children, the beloved of God, when we choose to walk in a pathway that is pleasing to him, discovering his will, we are on the way to being true imitators of who he is, serving him, serving others, and being the kind of people that are not people who are dead in our trespasses, but we are alive because of his grace and we express his will. I love this passage because it then sets up. And I want to go on and, and do this for next week and the week after. It then sets up how you deal with difficult relationships that come your way. 
You see, we're about to look at a passage next week and the following week that in our world today, people outside of the church and quite frankly, even some within the church would use as a very divisive way or divisive season of life. And Paul goes on and sets up, look, there are interactions in our world and relationships that when done right in Christ, they can thrive. But if the motive is not love, if light is not the basis, and if wisdom is not the operating manual, then these relationships will crumble. He begins to talk about relationships between people. He talks about household relationships. He talks about business encounters. He begins to talk about these things in the next few weeks. But this morning, this is the setup. And the setup is God has a standard, and his standard will work, and your life will be better if you walk the right way. So I'm going to let that sink in today. I'm excited about next week and the following week. So I've already primed the pump for you to go on and read the rest of Ephesians chapter 5. And chapter 6 is amazing. But as you look at those things and you begin to look at your walk, are you walking in love today? Do you love yourself as Christ loves you? A lot of actions at times out of our lives are because we don't love ourselves the way God loves us. You begin to love yourself the way God loves you, it changes things. Do you love others the way God loves them? Do you love Him for what He's done? What about light and darkness? Are you walking in the light? Or are you doing something that's just not fitting of who you are? Then turn from it. It's not hard. Turn from the darkness and turn toward Christ and the light and let Him lead you out on your journey out of places you don't belong and shouldn't be. And then the last one is the wisdom of God. God, in the days that I have, help me to hear your voice and do what you tell me to do. Because when you do that, you'll never go wrong. I want to pray for you this morning because the reality is, as followers of God, as people who are interested in the faith of Jesus that he gives for us to be overcomers in this world, we all need a moment to grow in our walk. So let's bow our heads and our hearts together and let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for each and every person here today. And I want to thank you for everybody in our online family today. And I want to ask for something beyond myself because I, like them, am human. And I walk through this world with clay feet, just as they. And Lord, it is a challenging life where things come against us, but yet we are overcomers when we remember who we are. Today, I, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak deeply to each and every one that is listening and that is gathered. Remind them of who they are. Remind them that you love them deeply and dearly. Remind them that you have called them your children, sons and daughters. That they are not identified by a normal pattern of the world, but there's something deeper within them that yearns for a better way, to be a better individual, not because of anything within themselves, but it's something you've placed there by Christ. To help them realize that, you have, that they have been created by you and there's a purpose that you have for them to fulfill. God, I pray this for all of my friends today. I pray that you will move each and every one of us deeper into your love and further away from anything that is divisive. God, I pray for your church that you will help us to reflect more of your light than darkness. And God, in each and every day that you have given, it's a gift. Challenging, but a gift. God, teach us to walk in wisdom with the days that we've been given. To serve, to give, to love, to grow, 
and to be the kind of people that leave this world even a better place until the day that you call us home to heaven. And God, until that day, help us to serve and be a true reflection of who you've called us as your children, sons and daughters of the King. I'm thankful today for this church, for these people, and my prayer is that you'll bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. What a great passage. And listen, that's meat. (laughs) That's not milk. That's becoming who you're called to be. So I hope that this word and the Ephesians journey that we're going on together will continue to grow you. And here's why I'm excited about it. Listen, this fall, we're ramping up. We're getting ready to tackle a lot of things. We're doing things around campus and we're doing things behind the scenes to prepare. What I know is we have a journey ahead of us. But I can't think of a better group of people to walk that journey with than the children of God, the children of the King, who are called by His name here at Calvary in New Orleans. Listen, we have a video I want you to see because every way that we can to connect the gospel to the next generation, we do that. So we're ramping up this upcoming week for some ministry to a great group of people that's a part of this family. So check out this video and then Pastor Stephen's going to close in just a moment. I want you to see this video. Parents, we're so glad that you're excited about VBS weekends here at Calvary. Let me give you some information on what you can expect from these three unique and individual weekends and what your kids can expect to go on in these incredible times. We'll kick off VBS weekends on Friday night with a night for the entire family. So come with your kids and be ready for a night of fun, games, activities, and engaging in God's Word. On Saturday, drop your kids off and they'll be in for a treat of a day. A day filled with small groups, community, fun, recreation, crafts, activities, and even some snacks. They're going to be pumped. And don't forget to come back on Sunday morning for our VBS wrap-up, where we hammer home one last time the message of the gospel and engaging your kids to activate their faith and take steps forward towards knowing God. Well, you definitely do not want to miss out on VBS this year. I I am excited that VBS is back. It's going to look a little different than we normally do VBS around here, but I, for one, am excited about that. If you have not registered your kids, your grandkids, people that you know, if you haven't told them about VBS yet, now is the time to do it. There's still time to register before we launch this Friday. Um, They can sign up for any of the three weekends. You can sign up for all three weekends. But listen, VBS is not just for kids. If you are interested in being a part of VBS, this is the year to get involved. I've told a lot of you already. I've had you say to me before, well, you know, Pastor Stephen, VBS is during the week. And I mean, I just work on Monday through Friday. So I I, you know, I, I wish I could be there, but man, work. That's, I moved it to a Saturday this year. So I'm looking at all of you that have always thought, ah, you know, Monday through Friday, I can't do it. I, I, I've noticed who is clapping, so I, I'll see you guys at the back. <clears throat> if you'd like today, if you want to register your kids for VBS, if you want to sign up to volunteer for VBS, I'll be at the back table on your way out of the worship center. I would love to talk with you for a few moments Because VBS, it's not just a week of spiritual growth for kids. It's not just a week of spiritual impact for kids. But we've seen adults walk out of VBS who look back on it and say, man, what an incredible moment for me. 
What a great time in my faith where I grew in my faith by connecting with kids and connecting through serving and volunteering and being a part of something awesome. We're looking forward to it. We have great things coming up. It's an exciting part to, uh, time to be a part of what's going on here at Calvary. And all of that is possible because of the faithfulness of you, the faithfulness of the people of Calvary, giving of your time and giving, giving uh, of, your, uh, of your tithes and offerings to keep what we're doing going. And we're so thankful for that. So today as we get ready to leave, remember on your way out, We'll have a couple of gentlemen standing where you can drop your offering uh, as we exit today. Or if you want to give online, uh, like some of us uh, young whippersnappers do, you guys can be uh, join the hip crowd and do that as well. We're so thankful for you guys. Don't remember to stop. Remember, don't. Don't not remember. Wait, hold on. Don't forget to stop at the table on your way out to get some VBS information. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Y'all have a great week.